Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. Uh, sorry, I wasn't available to record last week. Uh, if you are like me and suffer from crippling migraines, you know how that works. I was kind of out of commission basically all of last week. Whatever. On the line this week, we have Dave Early. He penned a column last week. It features its analysis. It's very numbers heavy, and that's what I love as a stat nerd. I'm all about it. Dave Early on the line on the Outside Podcast. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Glad I, you enjoyed I, nerding out. I always enjoy just nerding and just going all <laughs> over the statistics and just being like, okay, what does this number mean? This decimal point is here. This looks good. Uh, this, this number looks high, but it's actually bad. Like, it's all weird. Like, I, I love statistics. I love statistics. And, and I love it too, um, which made the entire thing feel like an exercise in futility because like I wrote in the title, it's way too early for this stuff. So to look at it, it's like you're just sort of bathing in, in randomness. Still though, but, it's still a nice little roadmap though, as far as like what the season looks like so far. So, you know, give yourself a nice little pat on the back. It might be a little <laughs> early, but you know what, damn it. It's a wonderful insight into the first 17 or 18 games of the season where um dave why don't you tell the people where your philadelphia 76ers rank in the eastern conference standings oh man all right let me pull up some of these teams and just take a quick peek i would say i would say the standings Where, where are they sitting well, in the standings, they're obviously first. They've got that's, the best win percentage. That's the one. That's the one I was referring to right now. <laughs> that is the most important statistic going right now. That makes me and many of us very, very happy. Yes. Is, is that the end of the discussion? <laughs> that's not the end of the discussion. Like, we're going to get into your piece a little bit. Damn. No, dude. no, no. Is that the end of the who's the best team in the East discussion? Um. I, I, I reserve I, I reserve judgment because I <laughs> I said at the beginning of the season we did a Liberty Ballers roundtable and I said that the Sixers would be second in the East when it's all said and done. Uh, Milwaukee would be first. I will say that um, looks like I may be correct in saying that, yeah, Brooklyn, I'm not really worried about Brooklyn because they don't have a center. They, they just signed Norval Pell, but I mean, I mean, I mean, shout out to Norville for securing the bag, but yeah, Norville against Embiid in a seven-game series, yeah, I'll, I'll take my chances with Embiid and Simmons and Tobias Harris and all the I, shooting that we're going to talk about. 
I think it might be a little early to take a victory lap on the Nets not being something to fear. Come on, let me take this lap. I'm <laughs> all right. I take your lap. My, listen, take your I lap. have my thermals on. I'm on the track. I'm just I'm in position like Usain Bolt. I'm just let it. I'm ready to go and just fire out this damn gate right now. There's let a me do it right game. now. There's let a me do right it. Now they want Javale McGee, who just won a ring. Javale McGee. JaVale McGee hasn't scared me ever. All right. Well, he scared the Rockets last year a little bit. That's because the Rockets don't have any big men to speak of. All right. Yeah, they okay. small. Go okay. Ahead. All right. <laughs> not that I'm not enjoying talking, but I just spent way more time talking about JaVale McGee on a Tuesday <laughs> morning than I really wanted to. And that's to say I only talked about him for like five seconds, and that was too much. Better, um, better bubble vlog, Matisse or JaVale? Oh, that's that's good. That's a good question. Uh, me being a homer, I got to say Matisse, though. Got to go Matisse, yeah. Because if I, if I said JaVale, no one would listen to my podcast anymore. Plus, Matisse featured our team. We got to see all our guys. Alec Burke playing golf. And, and not only that, but like if I ever want Matisse to come on my podcast for whatever reason, I can't just straight up say, yeah, JaVale's was better. That's a deal breaker, yeah. Yeah, it's a deal breaker. Uh, getting into your piece, the first thing I want to talk about is the idea of Simmons and Embiid coexisting. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of speaking of taking laps, uh, I'll just start with this question: uh, Can the national media officially suck it with that question? I mean, it, if you are a Nuggets fan. <laughs> and, you, and you flip on a game once every three weeks and it's six or Celtics, you, you understand why they say that stuff. Cause it's like, Oh, I haven't thought about the Sixers much. Do these guys not fit? And that's who they're speaking to. But if you're a Sixers fan, you're, you're pulling out handfuls of hair. Cause you hear it every, every time. goddamn week. Yeah. Every goddamn day. We um, talk about it, and then you hear them talking about it as if they haven't even thought about it in six months. Seriously. Guys, lay off. Um, so far this season, are you liking what you're seeing? Yes, yes. Um, I was, like like many others, probably concerned with Ben Simmons' slow start. But Embiid's hot start has more than made up for it. So it's almost like, you know, there were glimmers of – Simmons getting hot over the last two games, Boston and Detroit. So if they could add him the way he was playing before all of his injuries and layoffs and bubble postponements back, it would be a big, big lift. Um, you got to like the changes that have happened. You got to like all the shooting. Honestly, I can't remember the last time Seth Curry missed a shot. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a hot second. Yeah, I feel like he's a, he's an impossibly good shooter. So, and, and Embiid is like leading the league in mid range percentage, fifty eight percent or something. Uh, so yeah, you got to be excited with the way that, that this has looked so far. In and the record is, is there. I'm gonna quote your piece real quick. In the 293 total minutes they shared, the duo is plus 85, which is a massive improvement over plus 16 across 41 games in 840 minutes so what the hell is different now about this team and i'm guessing it's even better now because they've got two more big wins under their belt 
and and Simmons played really well. Um, what is just that tr- that that number plus eighty five is just staggering. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, let me look at Simmons. This is from Ben Dietrich on Twitter. Simmons scoring aside and B this season is similar to last season's. 59% true shooting last year. That's up to 60% true shooting now. Um, Jesus. <laughs> 14.7 points per 36. The dip is mostly in Ben's production with Howard versus – with Horford versus Howard because, you know, Horford could stretch the floor a little bit, get that pick and pop. And so his minutes when Joel is off and he's on with another big who doesn't stretch the floor – that's where Ben is seeing a dip in scoring, but it's not when he's out there with Joe with Joe. It's similar to last year. You talked about staggering in your piece as well. And it does seem like that doc is just letting these two play together. Just, it just seems like it's happening way more often. Is that true? He's married them. I mean, I put in the piece that they are sharing over 80% of their respective minutes with each other. So is the thinking I started going into the tank to wonder why is the thinking I Daryl Morey wants to learn if this can work and he needs a huge minute sample to look at it. Is it doc saying, we're going to figure this out with repetition. I'm going to flood therapy your butts and (laughs) you're always going to be out there together and you'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. It does definitely feel like this season, um, like Joel and Ben, they're just, they're just being thrown in the pool and just being forced to learn how to swim, so to speak. Yeah, I think our boy Jackson Frank just put it out something like, if we're not going to do Joel plus four shooters to buttress the bench lineups, does it make sense to keep staggering them this way? And so you think to yourself, would it be more optimal to do some Ben and shooters lineups to really just, you know how football players always say, let Russ cook about Russell Wilson, like to let let Ben cook, which he could do more if they were, four shooters around him like we saw one year ago today you know on martin luther king day when he had like horford or bolden out there with shooters and he just went nuclear so <laughs> it, but that might be low-hanging fruit for doc and daryl they might know that already and so they might want to see but truly to be a championship team you're going to need ben and joe in closing lineups so let's figure out how that looks and how that can work. At the very least, you want that closing lineup, especially on defense, right? Because Ben Simmons is an all-NBA defender. So, Oh, it gives you a lot of potential on defense because, yeah, I mean, Joel Offensive- is probably the best defense player in the league. And then Ben can – he might be the number one guy you want aside from maybe Kawhi Leonard to guard a LeBron. Offensively, whatever you – anything – I always say this with Ben. I've been saying it for the last – year or so since he got all NBA and was made as this like incredible defender that I didn't really think he was capable of anything. Now that you get from Simmons offensively, I feel is definitely gravy, but if he's locking down his man on defense, I am completely fine. If he just goes like, you know, six of 10 from the field and like gets to the line, like a, half a dozen or so times like obviously you want more than that but you know if that's all i'm getting from ben simmons right now like that's that's gravy that's fine before right before his before his back injury uh before his pandemic postponement before his knee injury 
I mean, you remember what he was doing. Beal, Beal six for 15, 15 points. Siakam, five for 19, 11 points. Tatum, five for 16, 18 points. Westbrook, four for 14. Trey Young, two for 11. LBJ, two for nine. Compliments Locking of Paul Hedley. And, and how many points is that worth? Like, to stop LeBron on two for nine shooting. I mean, Andre Iguodala, our guy, won a finals MVP, letting him score like 40, 15, and 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, the shooting of this team, hell of a lot more improved than, it, than last season. And yeah. that's, that's due to a lot of things. The one thing that I wanted to kind of jump into is the mid-range rate. And you kind of touched on this. Um, they are taking a lot of long twos. And I, I don't know. I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. Like, they are the fifth hottest shooting from that position at 47%. But that can't be sustainable, right? I would think – I think not. I mean – Teams like San Antonio, they're the hottest team from long two, and you feel like that's sustainable. They've been doing this for years now, and you think of DeRozan and Aldridge. That's their game. That's kind of their game, yeah. They're, so they're going to stay there. Oh, and then Philly, right now we're up to fourth. We shoot 48% on long twos. We've taken 173 out, 173 of them. It's hot, Lord. and I'm thinking that Joel is shooting way above his norm. So maybe he, maybe he's, you know, if we talk to Drew Hanlon, he'd say, well, we tweaked his jumper a little. That's why he's better from deep. That's why he's better from the line. That's why he's better from the mid range. And that's something to that. His, his jumper looks pretty smooth, but if I had to put money on the line, I would say that he, Tobias Harris and Seth Curry are all due for at least a little regression back towards the mean. And maybe that number, maybe that ranking dips a bit. You would think so, just because like the mid the the long mid range too. It's just it's just a it's a shot that you don't necessarily need to take. Like if you're open, sure, put it up. But I would say if you're open, take a step or two back if it gets you behind the three point line. If you're already shooting from twenty five feet, just extend to the three point line. What the hell? Right. Here, here's the contenders that take a higher. Uh, frequency of long twos boston and the clippers that's it everyone every other team is new orleans phoenix or oh phoenix 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 because they got chris paul and devin booker doing it yeah phoenix Phoenix is a contender to to make the playoffs not the finals but they're contender to make the playoffs they are there's contender period i think and i look at them and i think oh they stink but now i have to remind myself that's the old phoenix (laughs) (laughs) um the other part the other part of this mid-range conversation is Tyrese Maxey um good good lord his finishing repertoire is insane it's pretty fun isn't it so the the runners the floaters all the layups how he finishes at the rim it's fantastic but you did state that you would want him to do a little bit more right Yeah, I mean, so he's taken 146 shot attempts, 30 field goal attempts that are long twos, and he's drawn zero fouls on those. Uh, So if if I were his coach, 
Yeah, if I were his coach, I'd say what's along to cleaning the glass is the data I'm using. They they have it as over 14 feet. So technically, it's not always long. Like, you know, a free throw is not a long shot. Right. Um, but they're classifying that as long mid-range. So some of them are probably fine. Um, but I posted on my Twitter the other day, he, he caught the ball from three. He pump faked. He took one step. When I was growing up playing in high school, my coaches would tell me to do that. I mean, we're talking about the, the late 90s, early 2000s. They would say, you know, take a rhythm dribble one step inside the three-point line and, and fire. And I just, that was the thinking at the time. It was like – Because it's a more a open shot. Closer. Maybe you're more open and maybe you're a little closer, therefore it's easier. But there was no talk of analytics. It was all just like old-school – thinking and we've seen the Sixers do some of those um it's hard to get mad at, at Seth Curry because he's 99th percentile when he does it takes one step in and fires yeah Seth keep doing what you're doing you're fine you're okay <laughs> you're as long as you if you're in the 99th percentile for whatever you're doing I got no problem if you continue to do it it's fine uh, here's the one caveat if you had to nitpick you watch um Eric Gordon play basketball he, he's a guy who could probably shoot a really high percentage of long twos, but playing in Houston, he became a master at the sidestep. So the guy, you guys going to fly by instead of taking one dribble and pulling up long two, you just take a side a step directly to the side and shoot a three. I think so, that's, I think that speaks to the, the old school mentality of like how people were trained. Just like, you don't take a step to the side you take a step in. And that's right. like, that's like momentum or whatever the hell else. Right. And you go from playing maybe for John Calipari in Kentucky, who might have no problem with you taking that step in. But now you're suddenly you're playing under a team GM by Daryl Morey, who has put deep thought and and in a lot of ways revolutionized basketball with the idea that you should probably just step to the side there or go all the way to the rim or go all the way to the rim. Just like, you know, fake another couple of guys out and then just be like, okay, I'm going to the rim now. Try stop me. Right. Um, Tobias Harris, congrats on being a member of the 50, 40, 90 club, at least right now. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Tobias has had a really, really good hot start to the season. And mm-hmm. that's, that's got to come from, you know, familiarity with doc system, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's I joked that he's the Toby whisperer. He, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to hear this all, all, until we vomit, uh, Sean Kennedy, our editor, he was already like, this has been talked about ad nauseum, Tobias Harris being more decisive, but it's not going away. because It's not going away. He has, and it's working. <laughs> it's absolutely true. He's 100% like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I used to do in this offense when I was in LA. I know it works, so screw it. We're just going to keep on. We're just going to keep this thing moving. And, and to his credit, uh, I, he's shooting even more quick release, like transition threes, like running in transition, catching the ball almost full speed and firing a three. That's not something he did a ton of in uh, LA where he got to do a lot of like ISOs and pick and rolls and take pull-ups and after like are, a pile of dribbles. And those are some of my favorite assists from Ben. Like he'll get the rebound, just like start a break and like, Next thing you know, Tobias and Embiid are just like hustling down the floor 
And teams are just like, oh, my God, what do we do? And, you know, Tobias is just sitting there on the wing. I'm like, okay, uh, you're either giving up two points or three points. It changes changes the composition of his contract. Like, the way we – probably you and I or anyone else that's done a podcast spoke about his contract in the offseason, it was easily one of the league's worst. Yeah. And I think he's played well enough to maybe dodge that conversation for at least a few weeks. At least for now. Yeah. Um, the free throws. The amount of the amount of free throws that the Sixers are getting this year, it's beyond anything that I have seen in a while. And that's it's free points. It's free points. Take the free right. points. Just take them. Um, are guys just being more aggressive getting to the rim, or is it just, you know, Embiid is really good at drawing fouls. Joel, I would say it's both. They're not mutually exclusive. Embiid is leading the entire league in free throws per game, 10.71, which is astounding. Um, I forget who, forget who posted it, but someone said, like, the highest number of fouls committed was the back-to-back teams that played the Sixers. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. And just behind, just behind Joel is I, I had a tweet about this is Trey Young, which is so weird because he's their franchise what? player. He's like six feet, buck seventy five. Joel's seven feet, like two eighty, and they're each their respective team's franchise players, which is just so weird. Wait, Trey Young is second in the league in free throw attempts this season. In free throws per game, yeah, free throws attempted per game, crazy. That is that's astounding to me because I don't. There's not a whole lot of highlights of Trey Young finishing at the rim, <laughs> right? But he's so, uh, Ben Simmons is 27th in the league. He shoots 5.47 free throws per game. Just the free point is just it increases your lead. It sometimes it gets guys in a rhythm. Just sometimes seeing the ball go through the hoop and then they just momentum off of that like oh Doug Collins important. quote Doug Collins always used to say that on his broadcast remember oh my god damn <laughs> it I just get to the line and see the ball go through the rim god damn it helps your I, rhythm <laughs> god damn it I quoted Doug Collins and referenced JaVale McGee in the same podcast. <laughs> all right I clearly need to go back to bed today um <laughs> is Simmons more aggressive like every game as opposed to like okay he's a because we always have to tweet sometimes last year where we're just like oh oh, it's aggressive Ben tonight is is that happening more frequently I I would say the opposite I think we've seen much more timid offensive Ben so far this year on the whole um uh he he hasn't looked quite right to me I know he's only played 18 games in like a calendar year. So we should have expected a very slow ramp up for him. Right. Um, I talked to Derek Bodner on a pod before the season. And he said, you know, he's had the, the Jones fracture of the foot. He's had the dislocated, partially dislocated knee in the bubble. And he had the nerve impingement in his back. He said, the back one is the most concerning to me. Um, but, you know, every other player is working on their game and resting. And, and this dude was rehabbing in a pandemic, which I don't even know what that looks like. It's not like you could – you're not at the facility with your trainers getting massages all day. You're probably doing a lot of it on your own. 
it's it's a it's, it's Simmons letting his dogs walk on him every twenty minutes. <laughs> He's playing with his pit bulls <laughs> in his backyard the, the, just a couple days after his surgery, which we saw on know. his Instagram. No, no, no. Those those are not pit bulls. I'm pretty sure those are mastiffs, my guy. Oh yeah, those, the Italian the Italian mastiffs or whatever they're called. Those are big ass dogs, man. They're scary um, looking, <laughs> but he's got the but he's got the cute little uh, Roddy or the or uh, the Dotson or whatever the hell else he has the the new little one whatever. I'm uh, jealous. I would love to have his yard and his dogs. Yeah, so would I. I mean, the power. <laughs> the, listen, Mega Millions is like a billion dollars. So you know what? I someone just win, hit it. <laughs> if I win, I'll make that happen. We'll have we'll have the giant Liberty Ballers camp. Everybody can come live with me. Well, um, here, here's the here's the exciting stat: free throw attempt rate. Number of free throw attempts per your field goal attempt. Joel Embiid is third in the league. Ben Simmons is fifth in the league. Good Lord. So that we got two of the top five players in terms of every shot they shoot, how often are they getting fouled? And for Joel, that's 67%. And for Ben, that's 62%. And it just goes to show what spacing does for these two guys. Like mm-hmm. they have space mm-hmm. to operate. Joel can do his little thing like in the paint where he has all this room to like make moves and everything like that. Defender makes the wrong move up. There's a hack. There's a foul. Go to the line, get your one or two free throws. Yeah. And with Ben, I'd love the plays where he receives a pass and he's already downhill. That's like my favorite thing to see from him. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just makes defenders make a quick decision. Like, do we foul him? Do we collapse? Do we stay at home? Like, it, it's not easy to make a split-second decision like that when you have somebody barreling at – when you have Ben Simmons, all 6'10 of them, barreling down on you. When he looks right, there, you have no concerns in terms of his transition game. Where the Absolutely concern not. comes in is, what the heck is he going to do in the half court against Miami when they've got – Bam, Jimmy, Harrow, Duncan Robinson, and all of their dogs, you know, ready and out there. And what can he do? Who can he score on? And so then you're looking at, is he going to post up? Is he going to improve his footwork? We know he's probably not going to shoot much this year. Right. um, But he's got to find another way. And his footwork and his shooting is so unorthodox. I almost feel like just embrace it. Just be the weirdest. Always shoot off. (laughs) Always shoot with a surprising leg and arm and keep everyone off guard. But, uh, but make it your own and, and get some moves that you can go to over a small. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L 
V-A-N-29.com. What Ben can do in the half court or in transition is kick out to some of these three-point shooters where, oh, my God, we have – Dave, we have shooters. We have it's guys crazy. that can shoot the three. It's crazy. How – how good are how good have the Sixers been in these first like 16 17 games in terms of shooting in terms of shooting the 3 yeah all right let me take a look cuz i think they're like 6th or 7th in the league now Seth Curry shooting 56% from 3 oh, oh my god ridiculous. and we got Tobias for- Harris 45%. We got Seth Curry for Josh Richardson in a ham sandwich <laughs> fantastic <laughs> You know what we you know what we traded? We traded Josh Richardson and the pick, the second round pick, one of the two that Sam Hinkie got by drafting Willie Hernan Gomez and giving him <laughs> Bill Willie Jackson. Willie Hernan Gomez coming through. <laughs> yeah. Bill Jackson gave us both Nick's second round picks, which are basically like the first pick in the second round for Willie. Oh, this uh, is fantastic. And so Sam another stocking stuffer from Sam coming through bringing us Seth, who's a great fit. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Reading your piece, they are seventh in the league with 9.7% of all their field goals coming from corner threes. Uh, It's been said before, corner three is like a thing that is being way more utilized than it has ever. Um, Yeah. talk, Talk about what the 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 success in the corner three does in terms of like offense and spacing and like I, every time I see Danny Green over in the corner I'm just like he's open give it to him give it to him give it bang there it is yeah I think it's like I think it's like good teeth having good beautiful teeth it's like a sign of health for your offense <laughs> you know <laughs> if you see someone with a beautiful smile you think you know what I'd hang out with this person. They're probably charismatic. I'd have and, a beer with this kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's fine. If they've got those, like, you know, one's missing, the rest are rotting in yellow and overlapping, maybe something about this person makes you uncomfortable. And so the Sixers, eighth in the league um, in terms of rank, 9.6% of your shots are coming from corner three. It's a sign of health. You know, it's like if you can get those shots and take them, it means you're doing something right. And what the film backs up is that Joel's drawing doubles and he's not always just swinging it to the wide open man, but sometimes he's just making the simple pass and you see the ball get whipped around the horn to the corner. Like you see when you watch Utah or Indiana or the Clippers play, they do that routinely or golden state when everybody's healthy. Oh my gosh. Like, like championship golden state, the ball would always find someone open in a corner. And um, that, and that just goes back again to what we've been talking about since the season started. Spacing, spacing, spacing. spacing, if, you spacing. Have, if you have those corner three sharpshooters, then you have more of the floor to like work with, right? Because you have two guys in the corner that are just, they're, they're just there and you have to be mindful of them. So it, it opens up the half court a hell of a lot more. Right. Uh, Brett Brown used to get frustrated by this because people would say, why don't you surround Joe with four shooters and he said we learned in San Antonio your spacing is sometimes better when you've got three shooters and then someone playing peekaboo dunker spot type of thing um, because you at least absorb a defender in the paint 
And so that's, you know, that's theoretically how he and maybe Doc envisions Joe and Ben coexisting. Not that Ben always has to be in the dunker spot, but maybe when Joel is posting, maybe you do want him lurking for offensive rebounds. The thing that I've seen Ben do that I like is if Joe's in the high post extended on the wing, you know, let's say 15 feet out on the the left block, Mm -hmm. Ben might flash just under the rim and box out Kemba. And if Joe spots him, he's got a dunk. If not, he retreats and lets Joe go to work. And uh, I think those little actions more so than what we keep seeing the snug pick and roll (laughs) is leading to, uh, to clean passes for Joe to make because of the spacing. And it's got that synergistic effect where the ball finds the open man in the corner. I'm going to combine these two topics because I feel like they're a little bit related. Um, turnovers and fast breaks. One thing that Doc kind of said when the season began is he wanted to play with pace. He wanted to play with a lot of speed because he's got Ben Simmons on the floor. So that's how you maximize him the most. I will say that the fast breaks have looked way better, but the turnovers are still a little bit of an issue. Is that, is that something that's easily correctable or is it something where it's just something we have to live with based on the personnel we have? I, you know, when you see that they're like a bottom three team in terms of turnovers and the number one team in terms of fast break points, your, your instinct is to be like, well, but they're both going to come back down to earth. Like maybe they'll, maybe they'll improve turnovers, but they'll give up some fast break points. They're getting 16.7 fast break points per game, which is best in the league. Um, And let's see their turnovers per game. Um, I have in your piece that it's 16.7, but this was as of last week. This is not factoring in the Detroit game, I don't believe. It's actually higher now after two nice wins, (laughs) 16.9. We're still still 28th in the league. So that's bad. They have to improve upon that. Um, I I I guess – I will say that something that you wrote, um, they averaged 16.8 fast break points per game, and that leads the entire NBA. Your granddaddy's clunky, ill-fit, all-bigs roster, this group is not. I thought that was a fantastic <laughs> line, and I chuckled oh, so hard. Because, <laughs> yeah, these are, not, these are not last year's Sixers. Thank Christ for that. Yeah, I, I used to I used to have wake up in cold sweats picturing both Joel and Al Horford trailing for threes while Ben Simmons char- charges down the lane. That that and, that's that's just such poor planning. It didn't look it it was so unpretty to watch. He he barrels down, he's got a three on one, he kicks back out, and then you see both Horford and Joe spotting up for a three, and you're like, oh, neither of them no. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> With the loss of – or the trading of Al Horford, I don't know why I said loss there. It's not like we lost him. We, we willingly wanted to get rid of him. Um, did you kind of think that the rebound rate would go down a little bit? Because the Sixers are actually top five in rebounds too. I, I would have guessed that they might have lost a little bit defensively. Um, you know, you lose Josh Richardson and Al Horford. That's a lot of defense going out the door. You're bringing in Danny Green and Seth Curry. And we, we saw in the bubble, Danny Green's not what he was in San Antonio on the defensive end. And that's fine. We knew right. that. But, but that's the price to unload such a negative contract like Horford's was. And it's so, not yeah, like Danny I'm Green surprised. isn't useless on defense. No, no. He's, he's still good. He's probably a 
better than average for sure. Like you're not um, sticking him on Jason Tatum or anything, but like you can you can tell him to get in Jalen Brown's way. Like that's fine. He's probably gonna. The truth is, he's probably gonna have to guard a lot of both of them. <laughs> oh, this this is gonna be fair. I cannot wait for a seven game Sixers Celtics series, and I'm already I'm already getting too excited because of the simple fact we beat them twice already. So yeah, but they like, didn't have right. Tatum for either of those. I'm so just like, well, that, that's it. Celtics are done. And then I remember, <laughs> wait, they didn't have Tatum either of those games. I need to not be so excited. <laughs> and we barely beat the Heat without Jimmy and Bam. I, I, I don't even want to talk about I, I will not talk I will not talk about the cowardly Miami Heat and get my day down any more any more than it already <laughs> is. Having talked about JaVale McGee and freaking just no, I'm not doing that. Hey, at least they're six and nine. They are slow, six and nine. Start. They are six and nine. I can't wait for Jimmy to come back and just be like, listen, what the hell? I leave for like a month and you guys totally screw up everything that I've built here in Miami. What the hell, youngsters? Uh, let me ask you this. The okay. Sixers are nine and one at home, three and four on the road. Are they going to have these same crazy home road splits again? I thought, I thought that the addition of Dan Burke would really change things when it comes to that because a lot of that can be you can point to the road defensive splits and say holy god the road the defense just did not travel on the road and it just seems to be like more of the same problem well see three and four isn't terrible on the road last year's team was 12 and 26 so they lost more than twice as much uh, as I, they won on the road. I always year. forget. I always forget it was that bad. Jesus. So three and four is kind of normal, actually. Like it's like it's like what their comps are doing on the road. Also, you kind of expect to like the the Bucks are three and four on the road. The Celtics are four and four. All right. Well, I'm, I guess I'm not that. See, I guess I'm not that worried now that we just kind of broke it down. And uh, again, the the way too early stats profile. <laughs> That's what it is. Maybe, but here's maybe what's interesting. Maybe it's too not, early for me to be saying, you know what? That road record does not look good right now. That that's my name, man. David Early. I had to get into the stats. Nice. I see what you, now I see what you did there. I see um, I see what you're doing. Very but nice. But isn't it game. isn't it weird? Isn't it weird that they're nine and one at home, a great home record, and there's no fans? Wouldn't there's you have no thought fans. like wouldn't you have thought that's why they were so good at home? <laughs> this this team, this team, this franchise makes no sense. It has made no sense of the last three seasons. But I'm here for it because it's fun. It's the stadium does a good job of showing like all of the employees who dance the whole game. Yes, the, it makes the, it look like it's lit in there. <laughs> the, the Sixers flight crew is they they are having the time of their lives right now. <laughs> yeah, they're constantly dancing. Franklin is going ham on these sidelines, y'all. They have they have to go right overdrive. Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do love what I've heard and what I've read from your column as far as like, yes, the stats are a little bit early, but you know what? A lot of them are just it's just good stuff to see. It's a it's a measuring stick, something to look at, something to build upon and just say, you know what, as bad as last season was, you know what? It's it's actually pretty damn good this season so far yeah I think to me the biggest takeaway I had from just like diving and reading too many stats was they're not gonna go full-on Houston Rockets Mori ball he's not like 
he's not saying to Doc Rivers, do not let these guys shoot long twos. Do not take too many mid-range shots. He's, he's adapting to his personnel here. He's giving Doc the freedom to kind of run his offense with some pieces that Daryl has acquired. And I can't remember where I read it, but even like there's still that kind of collaborative thing where Daryl's like, okay, I want to bring this guy in, but Doc can still say, yeah, I don't know if that's really going to fit what I'm trying to do. Doc said that. Doc said he had a quote and he was like, he's come to me with a few trades and he said not including the Harden one where I was like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Who do you think (laughs) he meant? Are you willing to speculate? Uh, Austin Rivers? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he, he that did he did talk about signing him, and, and Doc was like, "Let's not do that." I think I let's, read that. Let, let, that let, comes let, with baggage. Me coaching a son. Yeah. I listen. I'm in, I'm thoroughly enjoying the season so far. I'm thoroughly enjoying how much better the Sixers look on offense. I am very much enjoying sticking it to the national media when I say, "Hey, Simmons and Bees works." knock it the F off. Like that's, that's done. We are done with this debate from now until eternity. We're done. Like that's what it. Are they, they're like 12 and one when they're both active or something. They're 10 and one. Uh, well, this is again, not counting the Detroit games. So, yeah. 12 and one seems about right. I thought 11 I, or 12 and one when they're both. I thought active. I read, I thought I read 10 and one in your column, but yeah. Yeah. But there's been a couple games since then. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pro it's most likely 12 and one then. Screw it. We're saying 12 and one. We're saying 12 and one. Let's go with that. Let's say Let's 11 go with and a half. Let's say 11 and a half and one and just be like, it doesn't matter. National media can suck it. This pair works. <laughs> That's it. We can stop having this debate now. No. Do, um, you, do you think as currently constructed, they could win a title or do you think they need a, a third or fourth piece? Okay. I usually say third piece, but then I think, oh, Harris is playing well. Maybe it would be the fourth piece. Like, do oh. they need... Zach Levine, would Chicago trade Zach Levine for so, like four picks? If I'm thinking that they're going to meet Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, do they have the bodies to get in front of and at least minimize Giannis enough to where they can take four games? Yes, because they have Embiid, they can throw Simmons at him, they can throw Tobias at him. And then when any of those guys need a breather, then you can throw Dwight Howard in there. Do they have the shooting to put up points against Milwaukee and keep up with Giannis and Drew Holiday if he's hot? Drew's and, a big addition for them because he's and, four and a half court, yeah. And DiVincenzo if he's hot. Yes, depending on what kind of streaks the guys are on because Danny Green we've seen is very streaky Tobias is pretty streaky shake in that kind of atmosphere like we've never seen him in an Eastern Conference Finals he looked decent in the first round against the Celtics so that that's kind of a wash for me if the Sixers meet if the Sixers go up against Brooklyn in the Eastern Conference Finals uh just start printing those final tickets now because we're going Ooh. Brooklyn has, listen, I will take seven games of Embiid with literally no one to guard him. What if they get McGee? No, <laughs> no. Because I, I think, you up. yeah, I, of course you did. Because I think Tobias can, he's not going to stop Durant. I think he can slow him down. Don't, don't even finish that sentence. <laughs> I think he can, I think he can, I think he can do 
just enough to keep KD from scoring 35 a game, right? And I'm fairly, fairly confident that Ben can guard either Kyrie or Harden one-on-one. So it's just a matter of who's the third guy that's going to be on Kyrie. It's probably Danny Green, which is not the best idea. So you probably put Simmons on Kyrie and then just have Danny Green on Harden the whole time, which is fine. But again, if Embiid is averaging 40 in the series, which is very likely, yeah, give me give me the Sixers in a seven-game series against Brooklyn. No problem. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think there's maybes. I think there's like they could beat the Bucks, they could beat the Nets, they could beat the Celtics. Um, Miami's Miami's fraudulent. I'm not talking about Miami ever again. Let's assume Miami. I'll assume then Miami turns it around and they're they're a tough out. Um, I don't feel comfortable that the Sixers are good enough to beat like three of those and then beat the Lakers as currently constructed. Yeah, Um, I'm thinking. Like, I think currently constructed, they can make the they can make the NBA finals. I think they, they could, can they make could, it. They could definitely. There is something about the way they're playing that makes me uneasy. Like the pessimist, really. In me is, the pessimist in me is saying they're Joel's playing some hero ball, and he's, he's yeah, it doesn't everything. feel that way. He he's doing a lot. He's playing like Kobe Bryant a lot. Like they're throwing it to him out from three and he's taking two or three dribbles and a pull-up J. Yeah. And they're going in and they're winning. But that's, can that's he not, do it all year? That's making me a little uneasy now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Appreciate between, that. Between maybe getting a sore knee or maybe regressing in terms of a shooter just a little bit, I think they need something else. Um, obviously, if Ben Simmons can get back to the way he was playing a year ago before any of his back injuries – that would help. But I think they also are at a point. Daryl Morey has said, if I think we have, when he was in Houston, a 5% chance to win the title, it doesn't make sense to hang on to your draft picks. And we are now in that range. Like you broke it down. They got to have better than 5% chance to win it. Vegas would agree. 538 has them at 7%. So I, I don't know what he's up to. I don't know if the Bulls would trade someone like Levine. I saw Marty Teller talking about like, what about PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon? But there's some move out there that I think he's probably considering and not trading Ben Simmons to do. So you could just add someone. I, I would, I, I would love, I don't know if you can, can you get Levine without trading Simmons? That's, that's the other problem. You might not be able to, I'm not sure that Chicago is like, why would Chicago want to trade him? He's scoring 27 in a game. He's their best player. But same on the other with, hand, same with Bradley Beal. Like, why would Washington trade him for less than Simmons? Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, if you like, I think you would have to say, OK, it's going to be Joel and Tobias and all star player X. You'd have to I mean, you'd have to blow them away. Levine said before the season, I'd love to play with Ben and Joe. He is inked through 2022. What if he said. I don't have plans to resign here. Then it makes sense for them to begin shopping him. Uh, maybe this trade deadline or maybe in the off season. Yeah. And what if maybe you just blew them away? What if you just made them a monster offer? Maxi shake three picks. Would you, would you feel comfortable doing that? Uh, 
I'd be a little uncomfortable, but you know what? A title cures all. <laughs> you probably have to throw in Danny Green too. That's fine. That's perfectly okay. If if I'm if I'm giving if I'm giving Danny Green's minutes to Zach Levine, I'm perfectly okay with that. He's playing that well. I know he's a pure sweat guy with Joel. <laughs> uh, they train they train together in the offseason sometimes. Oh, that'll be fun. That, that this that, that'll make it interesting. <laughs> All right, so this this season is going to be – it's not going to be the hot mess that last season was. So we're, we're still having fun. It may be way too early for our man Dave Early, but you know what? We're still going to have fun anyway, so F it. We're just going to keep this train moving. You've been a Sixers fan too long to say it won't be a hot mess. You know there could be some peanut allergy thing that derails the whole show. Listen, I'm trying to be optimistic, Dave, and you're effing it up. I'm I'm the pessimist. So we're we're the mismatch pod. Oh my god, <laughs> the, the, a different mismatch podcast. That's not one from a different podcast network that I yeah. cannot reference right now. <laughs> um, Dave Early, thanks for coming on the pod. Uh, plug all all the good stuff that you're involved in Twitter, other stuff on the podcast network. Where can people find your precious great content? Uh, follow me on Twitter, D-A-V-I-D-E-A-R-L-Y. Read my stuff at Liberty Ballers. Wear a mask, stay safe, Wear mask. watch the Sixers. <laughs> Wear mask, for Christ's sake. That, that new variant was dis- it, it touched in Pennsylvania, so wear your, wear your goddamn mask, people. Wear a mask and find out when you're next supposed to vote. Seriously. No complacency. None. None. Don't get don't get comfy. <laughs> don't get comfy because 2022 is right around the corner. And don't I, get I, comfy as a citizen. Don't get comfy as a Sixers fan. Just stay with your head on a swivel at all times. <laughs> and on that note, where Dave Early is just just instilling fear in everyone, we're gonna end <laughs> this podcast there. Thanks again, Dave. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much, man. <laughs>